The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to extend a special welcome to members of our armed forces who are joining us over the internet today, and to thank the folks at NASIO, Montana State University, and the American Computer and Robotics Museum for their hospitality while I was speaking in Tennessee and Montana. This week I head out to Chicago, so if you haven't visited our website to see when I'll be in your neighborhood, uh, visit RebeccaCosta.com for the next speaking event near you. In just a moment, the president of Sun Life Financial, Mr. Daniel Fishbein, will be with us. Uh, One year into the Affordable Care Act, what changes has the insurance industry faced? We're going straight to the top to get answers to this and other questions you have about everything from insurance exchanges to self-insurance. So hang on to your hats. You, You may be surprised at what you hear from one of America's foremost experts. But before Mr. Fishbein joins us, let me tell you a little about his background. Daniel R. Fishbein received both his undergraduate and Doctor of Medicine degrees from Boston University, and he is also a graduate of Wharton's Executive Finance Program. Fishbein began his career at Mass Mutual and later New York Life, where he played a key role in the merger of New York Life with Sanus to form NYL Care. This success and others led Fishbein to accept a position with Aetna, where he oversaw their student health business group, their life disability dental and vision vision businesses, and lastly acted as the president of specialty businesses, all prior to joining Sun Life Financial Services as their new president in April of this year. Just as the insurance industry was responding to one of the largest government health care reforms in our nation's history. Not only is Fishbein a doctor, he has more than two and a half decades of employee benefits and group life insurance executive experience for the top insurance companies in the country today. There are few who can speak to where insurance is headed as Mr. Fishbein can. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, President of Sun Life Financial U.S., Mr. Dan Fishbein. Welcome to the program, Mr. Fishbein. Well, it's great to be here, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Now, you picked an interesting time to join Sun Life right in the middle of one of the biggest changes healthcare insurance has ever experienced. So maybe we can open today's program there. There was a tremendous amount of speculation about the effect the Affordable Care Act would have before it passed, some good and some bad. So what are some of the ways it's impacted the insurance industry? Well, Rebecca, one of the most interesting things that's been happening is the introduction to the market of what are called exchanges. Mm -hmm. And there are both public and private exchanges. Now, public exchanges are something that are part of the Affordable Care Act itself. And we've all heard about that, healthcare.gov. But at the same time, there are are what are called private exchanges, which are really um, a private sector response that is meant to mimic the public exchanges. And one of my friends, Alan Cohen at Liaison, describes an exchange as a store full of benefits. Uh, An employer gives their employees the, the money to go buy and sends them to a store filled with benefits. And we're increasingly hearing just lots and lots of interest in the marketplace by employers in whether or not buying their benefits in the future through an exchange is going to be the right choice. And that's something that's affecting all insurers, including you know health insurers and insurers like Sun Life that offer uh, employee benefits other than health care. Now, is this looking more and more like benefits will be offered a la carte? 
Well, it could be. I mean, at this point, it remains to be seen how that's going to play out. You know, as I think, as I think most people know, the way uh, people get uh, benefits at work today is not so much a la carte, right? Somebody has picked the prefix menu for you, typically. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, here, here's a health care plan or maybe a couple to choose from. Here's your disability plan, your life plan, uh, and so forth. Uh, generally, employees do not get to pick, uh, you know, from an a la carte set of choices. But in a private exchange, that's exactly how it works. Uh, the employer sends you to that store, and you pick, you know, the proverbial one from column A and one from column B, uh, spending the dollars that your employer has given you to spend in that store. Mm-hmm. Now, freedom of choice, it always sounds on the surface like one of those great ideas, but exactly um, how are consumers choosing their own health insurance? I mean, do you see any early trends in what they are selecting and what they're not choosing? Well, early on, and you know, it is still very early in the world of exchanges, both public and private, uh, and at the moment there's less than 2 million people in private exchanges. But the, you know, amongst those uh, enrollees, there's been some really interesting trends. Most uh, of the exchanges are reporting that employees are choosing fewer health care benefits than they did in the past. In other words, they're buying down the benefits that have higher deductibles, more limited network uh, choices, and uh, higher coinsurance. Uh, and they do that primarily to save on premiums. Obviously, if you buy a benefits plan with with uh, less rich benefits, it's going to be less expensive in terms of that, you know, payroll deduction for premium. At the same time, the private exchanges have been seeing employees, interestingly, buying more in the way of ancillary benefits, more voluntary coverage, more disability, life, and dental. So an interesting uh, set of dynamics. They're saving money on the health care, but spending at least some of that on other benefits. That's very interesting. Is there any danger in your mind that they will underinsure in the health care department and then have big bills that they can't pay down the road? I think that's a concern across the market, both with exchanges and outside exchanges as well. You know, increasingly in the market, we're seeing high deductible health plans. That's become a very common approach for health care benefits uh, over the past 10 years or so. Uh, and 20 to 30 percent of the population, you know, in the employer-based population is already in some kind of high deductible health plan. Uh, when people have the high deductible plan, they are at risk if they have a, a catastrophic illness. And there's a couple of ways that employees can protect themselves on that. One is that many employers offer what are called health savings accounts. And that's a tax-free way to save some dollars for those uh, unforeseen health care needs. And a lot of employers, when they introduce a high deductible plan, will put some money in in the health savings account for the employee. And then the employee can put some of their own dollars in there as well uh, if they want to. Another way that employees are protecting against those costs is to buy voluntary benefits. Uh, Voluntary plans like critical illness, accident, and cancer insurance plans that are increasingly being offered in the workplace by employers. Those will provide uh, some important coverage should, should one of those very significant unforeseen events happen. Mm-hmm. I worry that whenever we offer uh, people the opportunity to save money today and uh, have to prepare for catastrophic events down the road, they always seem to want to save the money today, and they never quite put that money away for the catastrophic event. Have you noticed how that always seems to happen? <laughs> well, I think that, yes, I do, and I think that is an issue. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting with health savings accounts, people can, uh, you know, they can keep that money from year to year. That's not an account that uh, expires at the end of the year. Sometimes they get confused with what are called flexible spending accounts where the, with the so-called use it or lose it provision. Yes. Health savings accounts are like an IRA. You can put a certain amount of money in there each year. Uh, and if you don't, if you haven't used it at the end of the year, you build up a balance. And studies show that the number one expense that people will have in retirement is for health care. So it's actually a pretty good option for those who can put away a little money to put it in the health savings account and almost think of it as a health care IRA for the future. Yes, and I love those companies that will automatically make those deductions out of your check so you never really see the money. Uh, that, that, that's just a wonderful 
wonderful benefit to people who are trying to put money away for savings, uh, for investments, for retirement, and also for their future health care. Now, we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. When we come back, we're going to find out about this rise in million-dollar catastrophic claims. You're listening to The Costa Report. I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com and order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Care from the Heart is a local family-owned business. Hello, my name is Jackie Tucker, owner of Care from the Heart. Our family has provided caregiving services in our community for over 18 years. I'm Jane Crow. I live on the Selva Beach, and the first time I contacted Care from the Heart was in 2007. My mother got to a point where she needed round-the-clock care, and we as her family were unable to provide it. For my family and myself, it was relief for us. We knew she was in good hands and she wasn't alone. A few weeks ago, a very dear friend of mine in the final stages of cancer also got to the point where her family and friends were unable to take care of her. Once again, I reached out to Care from the Heart. The care was probably for our heart as much as my friend who was dying, and it was a great sense of relief for us, and they sent terrific people. When you or your loved one is in need of our care, please call area code 831-476-8316. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. We are honored to serve you. You never know what you're going to hear on Battle of the Sexes. Which of the following would signal that the macadamia nuts are ripe on the tree? My God. Would signal. There's a little elf that jumps out because here's a sign, they're yeah. ripe, they're ripe. You know, those Keebler elves yeah, who think right. they do cookies, they really do nuts. That's their, that's their day job. So, so which of these for a signal? The nuts fall to the ground. <clears throat> the tree leaves turn purple or squirrels mating excessively in the tree. Which of those represent ripe macadamia nuts? You know your nuts are ripe when your leaves go purple. When they drop, when the nuts fall, they are good to go. Battle of the Sexes, weekdays at 6.35 a.m. on Good Morning Monterey Bay and KSCO AM 1080.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is the president of Sun Life Financial U.S., Mr. Dan Fishbein. And before the break, you were making the point that though there's some very, very early evidence that employees who are using exchanges are selecting high deductible, lower premium options, uh, that they seem to be reinvesting that savings in other insurance products. Uh, Now, according to Kaiser's latest poll, uh, they say that the number of uninsured is down from 17% to 13.5%. And uh, the Department of Health and Human Services indicates that there's been uh, quite a substantial reduction in unpaid medical bills, uh, $5.7 billion less uh, that, that would have otherwise gone unpaid. So as a layman, uh, when you start to hear numbers like that, it, it sounds or it appears like we've made this transition to ACA as well as private exchanges uh, fairly well in the last year. Is that fair to say? Well, I would say in, in regards to the fact that the number of uninsured has gone down and the number of, you know, the amount of uncompensated care has been reduced, there definitely has been an improvement in the number of people covered. And that's happened for a couple of reasons. No question, some of the folks who got covered through the Affordable Care Act, through the public exchanges, and I think the latest estimates are around 7 million people are covered. Mm-hmm. Some of those people were uninsured before. There's also been a significant increase in the number of people covered by Medicaid. It's actually probably the increase in Medicaid that's had the bigger impact on the number of uninsured. Insured. Uh, a third factor not to be overlooked is the economy and the employment situation has improved. Mm-hmm. So as people have gone back to work, they've also gone back to having employer-sponsored health care coverage. Right. So this is complicated because it's, it's hard to do a one-to-one correlation to any one of those factors and an improvement, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's probably a combination of all three of those at the same time. Mm -hmm. So now what is it that we hear about a rise in million dollar catastrophic claims? Well, what's that and what's fueling that? Well, it's a very interesting phenomenon that's happening, and we are a major provider of what's called stop-loss insurance. So this is the insurance that a self-insured employer buys to protect against very large uh, claims. Mm -hmm. So we have a unique insight into that. We cover about 5 million people for that kind of coverage, and we have data, you know, considerably larger than that if we look back a few years. We publish our uh, research on that, and we, we have some interesting statistics that have come out. Over the past three years, uh, we've seen literally a tenfold increase in the number of claims over a million dollars. And especially in the past year or so, we've seen a big increase there. Um, uh, The 10 costliest claims conditions comprise over half of $2 billion in claims that Sun Life has paid stop-loss policyholders over the most recent four-year period. Uh, so there's definitely something going on there. And we, we have a couple of theories on this. Uh, clearly, you know, there, are, there is an ongoing rise in, in healthcare costs, new technology, new drugs, new uh, techniques uh, for addressing disease, which are all wonderful things, but they're all, you know, more and more expensive uh, as time goes on. Another thing that may or may not be a factor, but we're at least, you know, concerned about is under the Affordable Care Act, the limitation on the lifetime limits on benefits and annual limits on benefits have been eliminated, which is actually a very good thing, right? People are not going to end up, you know, having a $2 million uh, healthcare cost and then being, you know, personally out of pocket for a million of that. Yes. But there's a question out there is, you know, now that there's no limit on high dollar claims, are hospitals increasing the way they charge for the most expensive claims as a way of, uh, you know, getting some more revenue in the door, perhaps to cover things that are not covered uh, in other parts of the equation? Yeah, a tenfold increase. Now, that's hard to ignore. Uh, it feels like a, an alarm going off. 
Well, I mean, it, it certainly is. Now, you know, uh, to be fair, some of that is probably claims that a few years ago were 900,000 and now they're 1.1 million. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you know, as a leading indicator, this is a, this is a very big uh, increase that we're starting to see. So it's reason for concern. Again, you know, what could that do to the overall cost of health care in America if we continue to see an increase at that pace? Well, if we continue to see an increase, someone will have to foot that bill, I would imagine. And doesn't everything eventually wind up as an increase in in premiums? Well, sure. It all filters down, right, eventually. Ultimately, that's uh, how claims get paid. Uh, they're reflected in the cost of premiums. So whether it's in you know, an HMO plan, a fully insured PPO, or in the stop-loss premiums we have to charge, that eventually finds its way into the premiums that everybody pays for their coverage. So let me ask you this. When, you, when someone like yourself, who is a, a, a great mathematician, you look at the numbers, you look at the data, you make decisions based on data and facts, you see a tenfold increase. How does that change the kind of stop-loss products that you wind up offering? That has to have some effect on some limits that you yourself create. Well, we, we are still willing to provide substantial coverage. It hasn't really changed that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do find that, you know, as, as issues like this drive the cost of uh, the premiums up, employers may adjust what they're uh, buying. So, for example, the employer may have uh, had a deductible that applied to their own costs of, say, $100,000, and now they might buy coverage that starts at 150000 meaning the employer has a bigger liability. And that can help them manage the cost of the premium. But, of course, if you're a smaller employer, an extra 50000 out of pocket may be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, to your earlier point that uh, people seem to, you know, buy – uh, higher deductibles and things like that, and then, you know, hope that things go well. Sometimes employers do the same thing as well. Right. Now, we hear reports that several states are struggling with the federally mandated requirements for the states to cover particular types of treatments, uh, providers, or, or cer- offer certain services, which these states claim are creating a situation where uh, these individuals are having to buy richer coverage than they need or want. So this goes back to that, you know, are we going to be looking at higher premiums because of that? Well, I think the the question of mandated benefits, in other words, requiring insurance plans to cover uh, certain types of things, has been out there for a long time. Uh, And it continues as as the conversation about cost becomes more and more acute. Obviously, we all want our health plans to cover the things that are important to us. The question is, who should decide that? Should the consumer decide that based on what they buy in the, in the store? Or do, is that a role for government to decide what minimum standards should be in every plan? Mm-hmm. So I guess the government is thinking more in terms of this is a floor and everything above that can be voluntary or the consumer's choice. Is that how you see it? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, previously that was done mostly through a patchwork of state regulation. Each state decided what were the minimum mandated benefits and requirements. But now we have a federal aspect of that, (laughs) the Affordable Care Act. Well, you certainly are in a complicated business at a complicated time. Now, we're going to have to take another break. We'll be right back with more from Dan Fishbein. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is changing the way organizations work. From data-driven marketing and ad targeting to the connected car, Big Data is fueling product innovation and new revenue opportunities. It's creating a culture in which business and IT leaders join forces to realize value from all data. They infuse analytics everywhere and make speed a differentiator, gaining competitive advantage from faster, more informed decisions. Leading organizations are creating new business models, developing new roles, and defining new big data architectures, including an infrastructure that can manage and process exploding volumes of structured and unstructured data, in motion as well as at rest. 
while protecting data privacy and security. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. If I've learned anything in the last 30 years in the healthcare business, it's never to blindly accept conventional mainstream medical model wisdom as factual and accurate. So it came as no surprise to me when a study was released that showed that melanoma that's diagnosed nearly 80,000 times a year still occurs even when the skin is slathered with SPF 50 sunscreen. How can that be? Everyone knows that melanoma is caused by sun exposure and the best way to protect yourself is to wear a sunscreen, right? Wrong. As it turns out, there's a lot more to melanoma protection than simply avoiding the sun. Melanoma is cancer, and there's lots of things that make a cell turn cancerous. The sun itself may act as a stimulant, but unless a cell is weak and unable to perform its cellular duties, cancers are unlikely to occur. And what does a cell need to perform its cellular duties? Well, as it turns out, not much. It needs oxygen, it needs to be able to drain its wastes away, and it needs to have 90 or so essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, fats, and amino acids. That's pretty much it. The best way to protect ourselves from melanoma or any kind of cancer is really simple and really common sense. It's to take care of our overall health by eating correctly, supporting digestive health, laying off sweets and other foods that throw off blood sugar, practicing deep breathing and getting off the couch and doing a little exercise. Not only will we be doing a lot more to protect ourselves from melanoma than if we simply apply to sunscreen, but we'll be protecting ourselves from all forms of cancer and degenerative disease and improving our chances of living a long life as well. Pharmacist Ben here urging you you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos too at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Hi, I'm Sam Quinn for Shirtcrafters, and I'm here with Shirtcrafters owner Scott D. Gold. And Scott, what do you think sets Shirtcrafters apart? Well, Sam, it starts with our graphic design department. We can take any tired old logo and turn it into an eye-grabbing brand. Then we can make that logo stand out in the community by turning it into a full-size vehicle decal. Next, we put that logo on polos, hats, and t-shirts, and just about anything else you can think of for your employees and customers for promotional purposes. And that's how we brand your business with Shirtcrafters. Top quality design and printing, fast turnaround, and right on the price. Shirtcrafters is located at 111 Engle Street in Santa Cruz, or go to shirtcrafters.com. You can give them a call at 831-423-0537. That's Shirtcrafter at 831-423-0537. 0537. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Dan Fishbein, president of Sun Life Financial U.S., Now, going back to these private and public health exchanges uh, where consumers can go to pick the insurance that's best suited for them from a uh, price and also a coverage standpoint, uh, I heard that in one exchange they had 20 different insurance plan options. As an expert who's been in this field for over 25 years, is 20 too much? (laughs) I mean, how how confident are you that the non-expert layman can navigate through that many offerings and and actually pick the plan that's best for them. Don't they need some assistance or some tools to help them? Well, I think that's a great point. There, There is a debate that's raging. There's two sides of this argument. One side says give people as many choices as possible, and the more choice, the better. Another side says, to, you know, there's a limit to how many choices can be useful, and that when people are faced with too many choices, they sometimes disengage and either make less good choices or maybe don't even make choices at all. Um, so I think it's, it's a balance. Uh, you know, some of the public exchanges, exactly as you're saying, have 20 or e- even more choices than that. Uh, and it's a combination of choices of benefit levels, network configurations, and companies. 
uh, in the private exchange world, that we're seeing the same debate. Some of the private exchanges are saying, the more the merrier. Let's just offer as many choices as possible. And some are saying, you know, we have a limited number of shelves in our store. Let's think of it as a supermarket, right? You go to the supermarket, they might pick out five types of soda that they want to sell. I know that may not be the best analogy, soda. But, you know, you don't have thousands of choices of soda. And the supermarket chain makes a choice as to which are the ones that are the most important, the most popular to offer on the limited number of shelves that they have. So we're seeing some private exchanges do the same. And say, you so know, are you also seeing some education going on, some consumer education, or even some analytic tools on the back end that will help guide the consumer, help them navigate that exchange? Absolutely. So uh, the exchanges that are really differentiating themselves are doing it through what they call guided decision support tools. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's two ways to do this. One is to say, here you go. Here's the, you know, the 50 choices. The other is is through guided decision support, which is basically they ask you a series of questions. They say, what are your healthcare needs? What kinds of costs do you expect to have? Which providers do you typically see? And then through guided decision support, the exchange can say, here are a couple of choices that we think are best suited to your needs. So in other words, uh, there are uh, systems of software and hardware analytic tools that are prompting the consumer through a number, a series of questions that will help them narrow down the best choices. Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing not every exchange is doing that, but certainly some are. And a guided buying experience is probably going to be much easier for the consumer to deal with than simply a wide open set of choices. Now, if you don't mind my asking, who's bearing the responsibility for those kinds of tools? I mean, who covers the expenses of those? Do those fall to the insurance companies to work with their uh, with their customers to develop those, or do the customers develop the do the companies develop those inso- internally? Um, yes and yes. Um, it, it's happening in a variety of different ways. Certainly, mm-hmm. some of the exchanges are developing guided decision support, and insurers are as well. It's on life. We've developed a guided decision support uh, tool as well. We call it the personal coverage builder. Uh, it, the world is a little bit chaotic right now <laughs> in this world, and that you know everybody's kind of doing some of the same things at the same time, and it's not really clear how it's going to sort out. But on the cost question, that's a really good one, too, because these are new tools, right? This is an extra set of things added to the system. and that's Right, you're talking cost. about development costs, and that's not cheap. Absolutely. There's a tremendous amount being spent right now in this world to develop these new tools, to provide these new tools. And at least in the short term, that's actually adding some cost to the system. So some employers are finding that if they want to go to a private exchange, it actually costs more. Well, not only that, uh, it costs a lot more to administer uh, an exchange than, say, having just one company plan for everyone. So uh, it's not just the cost to put these tools together and also to educate uh, the employees, but uh, but also the cost to administer many benefit plans instead of just one. So who who pays for that? Well, I mean, you know, and of course, I think, you know, some exchanges might disagree with that and say, yes, it's more expensive in one way, but in another way, if many, many employers use the exchange, that cost is spread across, you know, a very big base. But the employer generally is paying a fee for using the exchange, either directly or through the insurer that may be paying the fee and then has to build that fee into their premium. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about some tools that have to be developed. We're talking about administrative costs, educational costs. And as you say, uh, it's a little messy right now because it sounds like the insurance companies are working on this in tandem with uh, a lot of large clients who are working on it internally as well. Well, absolutely. In fact, you know, there are so many different models of exchanges out there right now, it's almost impossible to keep track. There are multi-carrier exchanges, single insurer exchanges, national, regional, local, chamber of commerce, public exchange, private exchange. There's just a tremendous variety out there right now.
Mm-hmm. And with variety comes complexity, <laughs> as as we all know. And and we're not we're not as a as a human species we're not doing too well on the complexity front right now. Uh, let me ask you a quick question here, based on your experience. Uh, what are the most? Uh, if you had to pick two or three criteria that are the most important for consumers to be looking at for the right insurance plan, what would be top of mind? Well, and certainly when it comes to a healthcare plan, probably the most important thing for the consumer to look at is who are the doctors and hospitals in the, in the provider network, as they're called. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're in a health plan that's going to have the doctors and hospitals that you use or that you think you might use uh, should the need arise. The second uh, criteria to be very focused on is the level of coverage. Uh, not just in the healthcare plan, but in any plan for disability coverage, is it the right amount of coverage if you have a condition that would prevent you from working? For life insurance, is it the right amount of coverage that would be needed to take care of your family if something happened to you? Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, coverage levels and who are the providers in the health plan are the two most important things to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, do these new sets of tools, do they start sort of on that, uh, on a priority? Do they start with sort of what what hospitals, what doctors are your doctors? Let's look at the plans uh, that inc- that are inclusive of that. And now let's look at the coverage. Let's look at affordability. Does it go down a hierarchy like that? Well, every one of these is different. So mm-hmm. there's no you know, easy answer to that. In our own personal coverage builder, which is more focused on the non-healthcare benefits, it does go through a series of questions that asks about your own personal situation and your family needs. Uh, to help recommend the right levels of coverage. Now, I was talking to some other experts about this, and they they liked the idea that these tools were developed by insurance companies rather than internally by companies, because they were worried that the tools that the companies developed might necessarily uh, drive their employees to a less costly alternative for the company. Any worries about that? Well, I think what most employers are doing is giving the employee a certain amount of coverage um, so that even, you know, if the employee picks a lower-cost coverage, right. uh, the employer isn't necessarily reaping those savings. They're either Those savings are accruing back to the employee or they're sharing those with the employee. Yes. So hopefully that's not really a risk, although I imagine there could be some situations where it is. Yeah, there could be some situations where the employer would benefit uh, from a financial standpoint if more employees chose a particular option in the exchange. Uh, Though, uh, again, we're very early into this and we don't see any signs of that kind of uh, manipulation going on. But, you know, uh, if there's an opportunity for it, it always seems to uh, show its ugly head. Um, uh, We have to take our final break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back to find out where health care and insurance may be headed. You're listening to the Costa Report. No matter what business you're in, what happens in Washington can make the difference between business success or failure. That's why understanding where government is headed is so important in today's competitive business environment. But where can you find experts who know firsthand the inner workings of our nation's capital? The American Program Bureau is your leading source for speakers whose experience offer unique insights into where U.S. policy is headed. Speakers like Seth Harris, former acting U.S. Secretary of Labor, Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, and General Carl Eikenberry, former U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan. For your next meeting or conference, contact the American Program Bureau at apbspeakers.com or 617-614-1600. That's apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. 
I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, and I have a question for you, Scott. What goes into making Method Champenois Bubble? You know, it's a process that's really defined by the French government that we've taken and enacted into our wines, which really drive the quality of our sparkling project. So this is a process that the French government defines pretty specifically, and you remain faithful to that. Yeah, 100%, and in some places we push it a little bit. Now, how do the bubbles translate on the palate? You know, it really gives you that vehicle, that mousse for the character of the sparkling wine, carrying the fruit and the complexity. It's the expression of the wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I. Cellars, come taste the difference. Get ready for the ultimate art adventure. During the first three weekends of October, enter the hidden world of art through Arts Council Santa Cruz County's Open Studios Art Tour. Organize your quest with the Artist Guide, featuring more than 300 studio locations, neighborhood information, and a map to get you there. Get your $20 guide at more than 40 locations countywide. Want to know more? Give us a shout, 831-475-9600, or visit artscouncilsc.org. Coast Paper and Supply has been family-owned and operated since 1948. They have a wide array of products available, including brand-name and eco-friendly cleaning supplies, paper goods, and compostable plates, cups, and cutlery. Whether your needs are for business or home, Coast Paper and Supply's friendly and reliable staff have what you're looking for. They even accommodate special orders. You can find them at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30, or call at 831-423-3350. Coast Paper and Supply is a proud member of Think Local First. Money can't make you happy, but the lack of it can sure add a lot of stress to your life. Need help with your personal finances? Listen Thursday nights at 7 p.m. to Money Moves. Host Pamela Fugit-Hedrick offers one hour of free tips and tools to help you manage your cash flows with her Money Moves. Each Thursday night, she discusses topics like how to prevent a complete personal financial meltdown, how to start a go-to fund for emergencies, provide ideas on how to cut back rather than cutting out some of your expenses, how to erase your debt load and financial stressors, how to find funding for your retirement, how the heck do you enroll to use health insurance, no more excuses. Money Moves can answer these questions and so much more. Tune in Money Moves with your host, Pamela Fugit-Hedrick, Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. to work on your Money Moves. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and today my guest is Dan Fishbein. Uh, so let me pick your brain a little here. Um, looking ahead, what changes do you see in store in the short term for the healthcare and the insurance industry? Well, of course, it's very, very hard to say where this is all going to go. But, you know, a couple of things to, to think about. First of all, you know, where will things go with public exchanges and the Affordable Care Act, right? We, we all remember last fall, uh, you know, all of the news. It was the number one story every day for weeks as to what happened with healthcare.gov, the introduction of the website, how many people were enrolling, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, we're about to go through that again. The open enrollment period is about to start. So there'll probably be lots more chapters in the story about to be written. Uh, you know, how many more people will enroll? Uh, will things uh, start to expand? expand? Uh, you know, as we've been talking about, will private exchanges really change the landscape? You know, something that could happen through the private exchange approach is that employers would go to what's called defined contribution, very much like what happened with pension plans turning into 401k plans. Mm -hmm. Instead of the employer providing you with a fixed pension, they just provided you with some dollars and you get to invest that. If employers decide that the way to go with healthcare is something similar, they just give you a certain pot of money each year and you go spend that the way you see fit. 
that could fundamentally change the way uh, benefits are delivered. Now, that's a frightening thought because all of the es- analyst estimates for how much we were going to all rush to put in our 401k plans were off. Uh, we didn't save nearly as much money as everyone predicted. Well, that's right. I think there's some studies out there that show that even though uh, satisfaction with 401k plans is very, very high. Yes. Employees love, we all love having control of our money and having it be portable. Uh, the value of those plans is actually less than the pension plans, you know, that our parents used to enjoy. Yes, and and I, you know, if, if let, using that as a model where we're defining our own contribution toward our health care insurance, uh, it seems to me it would go similarly to 401k plans. That we have the opportunity, but do we actually save in the same respect that we have the opportunity to maybe have a richer coverage uh, program, maybe cover ourselves uh, for uh, more catastrophic kinds of ev- uh, potential events, and yet will we? Well, and I think there's t- there's two uh, potential big questions there. One is the one you just raised, do we spend the right amount of money um, uh, on our coverage, and also do our employers spend the same Mm-hmm. Uh, will the employer give us the same amount that they would have spent if they were, you know, fully sponsoring the health care plan? Or do they gradually start to disengage uh, and give, you know, each year a little bit less as a percentage of the total uh, premium? Yeah, see, my, my friends, don't, they love freedom of choice. They love having all these exchanges. They love picking for themselves. They don't want anyone telling them what to do. And they think these exchanges are absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I, I think in the long run, when a company chose one plan for all of its employees, it was choosing that plan for everybody from the CEO all the way down to the warehouse worker. And I think in the long run, we're going to see that those plans were good plans. What do you say? Well, I think, you know, there's definitely two sides to that argument. <laughs> yes, you know, there is. is. We all like choices, and the 401k example is, is a perfect example of that. We, we love the fact that we can invest the money however we choose. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when you look back at benefits of the past, and pensions are also a great example, many employers were extremely generous. They were very paternalistic. Uh, and when they made the choices, they felt a stronger connection to those choices. If the employer disengages and just gives you some dollars to spend, then perhaps they won't be as generous in the future. Yes, I, I think as we look back, uh, we're going to find that they aren't quite as generous. And and in addition to the fact that if you give me lots of choices and I pick wrong, then I'm on my own. You know, And how many people really have the expertise to pick the best plan? Uh, it, it takes a lot of expertise to pick that plan. And these companies went through, a, as you know, being on the private side, a tremendous vetting process, put it out to competitive bid, negotiated uh, on the behalf of their entire company and all their employees. And, and in the long run, they came out with uh, very cost-effective plans, uh, generally speaking, for their entire company. Uh, I think we'll, we're going to find... A, We'll look back one day. Uh, Maybe I'm over-romanticizing. Maybe one day we'll look back and wish that our employer would pick one plan for all of us all over again. You never know. You never know. Now, I don't think you were directly consulted uh, when the government was putting together uh, ACA, but let's say you're invited to the Oval Office and the president asks you, what's the one thing government leaders could do to uh, focus on which would have the biggest impact on health care costs and insurance? What, what, would you, what would be at the top of your list as both a doctor and an insurance expert? Well, I think even just the category that is very important, because what the Affordable Care Act did, and, you know, the fact that there's fewer uninsured is a proof point, is it focused on access, getting more people covered. Yes. But what it it didn't necessarily focus on, except in some ancillary ways, was the cost issue, right? So we've, we've made progress getting more people covered but we're still facing a very serious cost challenge in in this country. So, you know, if I were to be asked that question, I would say let's, you know, figure out a way to really bend the cost curve and start, you know, dealing with some of the very 
tough choices we'll have to deal with at some point to make sure that health care is affordable for everybody. Yes, I, I agree. I, I think we did the right thing to get more people covered, but uh, we're still trying to figure out what the price of that is. And while we're figuring that out, it'd be darn uh, a darn good idea to get those costs down. Uh, I don't think we've really even tack- begun to tackle that yet. Now, uh, for more information on your work and also on Sun Life, do you have a website that visitors can go, our listeners can go to today? Um, sure. You could, they can go to sunlife.com. Mm-hmm. Well, that's easy to remember. That's sunlife.com. Unfortunately, we are at the end of the hour, but uh, before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for taking time to shed light on health care insurance today and uh, for your uh, vision of where we might go from here. Thank you, Dr. Fishbein. Well, th- thanks so much for having me on today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you and come back soon. If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Dan Fishbein, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Uh, It's been one year since the Affordable Care Act has been up and running. And I wonder, have you experienced any changes in your own insurance coverages or premiums? Uh, Has the program been a success? And, And has the insurance industry successfully adapted? Uh, Or do you worry that the first shoe hasn't quite dropped yet, uh, let alone the second? The costs of education and administration haven't been fully realized. And and when they are, will premiums start to creep up again? Uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Uh, And if you missed the full interview with Dan Fishbein today or any of our other previous guests, um, remember that you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. We keep programs up on the website for three and four years. They're they're all right there. They're all posted at RebeccaCosta.com. And that's easy to remember. That's my name.com. And while you're at the website, make sure you get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Just click on any cover of the book, and it's going to take you right over to a page where you can order the book. It only takes a couple of minutes, and you can request a custom dedication. So if there's a birthday coming up or you want to start your holiday shopping early, well, there are very few things more surprising than a book signed and dedicated to the recipient from the author. Just just. Close your eyes and imagine the surprise and also the delight of opening up that first page of the book and seeing your name on it in a message from the author. So do it now. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com to order your custom dedicated and autographed book. Now, uh, I don't say this very often. Well, maybe I do, but (laughs) I'm going to say it again. Uh, We have a very special program planned for next week. The world's greatest naturalist and father of biodiversity has agreed to sit down for a rare interview. Dr. E.O. Wilson will be with us to talk about the astonishing rate at which species are disappearing from the earth and what effect this will have on human populations. And he's also going to talk about his latest book, which was released just this week, The Meaning of Human Existence. Don't miss E.O. Wilson next week on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 